Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last week we started um, a message here that's uh, not really a Bible study, except it has a number of scriptures that we deal with, but Continuing the idea of the foundation of the church, and in this case, last week, and I do have a uh, outline of just the the questions and uh, the scriptures that are given here for this. Um, and we used to we had an outline for it. I'm using kind of using this for my text, but I've changed it, of course, for uh, where I'm going with with some of this, but. We do have the uh, text and the scriptures I'm using in this, in most part, available. But we didn't get it on the uh, sent up to Greg to put on the computer. So, but no foundation to one's faith is a sad condition. Was uh, what I was trying to get across, and we're dealing with the idea of the uh, questions uh, put together or popularized, actually, by the man um, um, known as, um, get his name, Charles Templeton, who had been a, an evangelist in the 1930s and 40s, um, and even into the 50s, but lost his faith because of the questions that he uh, had in his own mind. Um, so far I've talked about the idea that he'd been misled by those that taught him and things of that sort and of course this is a common problem Um, and the fact that he came he had these questions and he wanted an answer for them he never really had anyone help him as far as I know because he died in this condition that I know. He, he has uh, died in 2001, I believe. But my, th- my statement on this was that people that have this question deserve an answer. Just as we deserved answers and got answers uh, when we had questions. Maybe not these exact questions, but other questions. And that God is not offended by any reasonable question. As we read in Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament, God says, come and let us reason together. That's God's attitude towards a problem, a question, a concern, uh, something that doesn't seem right. God's willing, through his word, uh, to help us and teach us. But we're going to look at the questions today. And the first one is a a theological question, if you you want to use that terminology. And, of course, the the Bible is uh, replete with the answer to it, and we're just going to use some of what is available to answer it. But the question is, why is Jesus of Nazareth 
the only way to God the Father? Uh, that's a big question, isn't it? It surely needs an answer. Um, and as I said last week, and I'll say it again, the simple answer is because God has said so, but that's not going to be useful to someone who is not aware of God and, and the power of God and the, the, uh, just the concept and the nature of God they're not going to deal they're not going to look at it as that being a good enough answer. They need more. They need more time spent on it. So just that sort of an answer with a uh, the sledgehammer effect as you know, the bible across the top of the head and that sort of thing. Not going to work for everyone. Some people it shakes them into it, but uh that's not probably not the place to go. Uh, those that are not well informed are not going to be able to use that for good evidence. But in Deuteronomy 18, Moses told the Jewish people that this day was coming, that there was going to be, um, uh, that God had told him, and he's repeating the words of God here to the Jewish uh, people still in the wilderness but about to go into the promised land. Uh, this is in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. A prophet I raise up to them out of the midst of their brethren. So this prophet, the one that's going to be raised up is the Jewish man, like to thee, in other words, like Moses, a leader. And I have given my words in his mouth. And he has spoken unto them all that which I command him. And it hath been the man who does not hearken unto my words, which he does speak in my name, I require of him. What does God require of him? All that he has. He will be punished for rejecting the word of God. Uh, in other, uh, other translations, the word here is that they will be cut off from their nation. They're cut off from the promise of the covenant to the Jews. By what? Rejecting the very words of Christ. Rejecting the words of God's Messiah unto the Jews. The promised Messiah. Yeah, we could go to Genesis chapter 3, and we find that God has promised that he would send one that would crush the head of Satan, and, and that, and on it goes, the apostles taught the same thing. Jesus of Nazareth is that man. We know that by the scriptures. Who, who spoke the words of his father, the ones that his father had given him to speak, so he did. And we find him saying so throughout the gospel accounts. And... Um, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews, I believe the fourth or fifth chapter, it speaks of the fact that Moses was uh, the leader of, 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 of the camp. He was the leader of those that had left Egypt. But Jesus is the leader of all that God has. And that's the difference. Um, and, and it's a big difference. 
And Moses was a um, well-known and much-loved individual with, uh, from, in, within the Jewish people and even within the Christian world. And yet, you cannot compare him to Jesus, the Messiah. So the apostles declared it in Acts chapter 4. The apostles had already been preaching the gospel in in Pentecost and others, but in Acts chapter 4, we read this in verse 10 through 12. Be it known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you did crucify, who God did raise out of the dead, in him hath hath this one stood before you whole. Now that's the apostle speaking of one that was healed because of the power of Christ. Verse 11. This is the stone that was set at naught by you, the builders, that became head of a corner. And there is not salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven that hath been given among men in which it behooveth us to be saved. Well, that's a pretty powerful verse when it comes to Salvation, right? Uh, Looking at it just on our own case for salvation or the big picture, what is it that is going to please God? How do we please God? We, We do the things that Christ and his apostles has delivered unto the world to be done. So, the apostles proclaimed it. The Lord proclaimed it in John 14, 6. What did he say? We'll just break into his words there. Jesus answering one of the apostles. And he saith to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one doth come unto the Father if not through me. Jesus declares it as the only way. The apostles declare it as the only way. And the church of the Lord, the assemblies of Christ, declare it as the only way. Now, of course, if a church isn't declaring it as the only way, they wouldn't be considered the Lord's church. But there's only one one body of Christ. There isn't many. I mean, there's in a geography sense, there's a number of gatherings, but the body is one. So the assemblies of Christ proclaim it, well, every Lord's Day. Let's pray that its members declare it every day. But every time that we we assemble around the table of remembrance, as we have done today. We remember that he, Christ Jesus, is the sufficient Savior, sufficient to save us and all that come to him. He is the sinless Savior, as the apostles taught. He is the Lamb of God 
that is worthy of all praise and worship. According to the angels in heaven and all the heavenly host in Revelation 5, he is. He is the Son of God. And our boasting, if we boast, is not in ourselves, but in him. Now, the question of why is he the only way? I suppose we could spend hours and hours on a topic such as this. How many books do you suppose have been written about how it is that Christ is the way? The way. The, the, the group, the assemblies of Christ were known as the way in the scriptures. Made a big point of it. The way. Jesus made a point of the way. We need to be involved in the way. And there's only one way to be in Christ. There's only one way to follow Christ. We have many duties in Christ, but we have one Christ. We have one way to be saved. Because he and he alone is worthy and acceptable through his blood, and because of his blood, it was, it was sufficient. That's why we say he is a sufficient Savior. Because his blood was the sinless blood that was needed to be applied to the sins of the world, both to those that would come after and to those that had came before, seeking salvation in his name. The righteous Jews lived their lives the ones that was long before the birth of Christ, in hope of God's Messiah, that when he came, all would be accomplished within the covenant that God has set before men. You know, the theme of the Bible is that man needs a Savior. And only Jesus of Nazareth is able to be so. As I said, according to the apostles, according to the Lord himself, according to God, as he spoke through Moses, to not accept Christ is to be cut off and have no hope. Well, that is a theological question, and it has to be answered in a, I guess, in a theological way using Scripture not necessarily man's theology, but the theology of the Scripture itself. And I believe the Scripture answers it heartily just in the few things that I have given you today uh, from the text. And I think uh, that's, uh, that's, they're very powerful. The second question is, is a different type. But you know, it's just the kind of thing that comes into your mind. When, when good people see bad things, what do they think about it? Well, of course, they, they, they don't really appreciate it. They don't like it. They're fearful of it. They wonder why it happened. And when I think of the condition of even Christendom in many ways, you know the doctrine of things such as predestination, um, 
the idea of uh, God has predestined some to be saved, some to be lost. You know, when you mix that doctrine into the thinking of men, you get you get to a point where you can almost say, I can't hardly utter the words. This is God's fault. That's what Charles Templeton was saying. Why did he say that? Why did he pose such a question? I wouldn't pose that question. I've never been a Calvinist, but he was. He had been trained as a Calvinist. That's all he'd known his whole life. And then he went to seminary and he was doubled down on. He, he came l- losing everything that he had that it became such a problem to where he did not appreciate God and had these kind of thinking. How can God... A God of love, this is the question. How can a God of love permit this world to continue in such suffering and pain? Is that a good question? That's a good question. Because when we look around, (laughs) that's what we see the world's condition in. Not all of it, but certainly in a great part. You know, I've often said when I, when I deal with uh, thinking about politics in our own country and, and people that are in leadership, to solve all the problems they would have would be for them to simply tell us the truth. And that would help. Now, the truth as they know it may also be an error, but to at least start with the truth as best they can. The truth. The truth is what Brother Templeton, if I can call him that, had a problem with. Here's here's another question that I would ask those that pose such a question. Accusing God of permitting the carnage of the world of men. Is God the author of wickedness and bad behavior? Is he the one that is, is, is the author of it, wrote it out for us so we could learn it? Wickedness and bad behavior. Or is this the product of man and his free will? I'm going to read a passage in a minute that is going to prove that man has free will and we're responsible for these things all by ourselves. James chapter 1, read it. Read it, what James teaches about sin. We don't need the devil to sin, friends. Sin starts here, right here, with us. Just because you know about murder, rape, and all kinds of evil and carnage that man does against other men and women, does that make you guilty of those crimes? We know about them, don't we? We're taught about them. Avoid this. Don't do that. 
Why do we teach against such things? We do because we know that some people in their own free will will do them. Now the reason this question is asked to start with, as, as uh, Charles Templeton asked this question, is that it's because of a lack of true foundation in God's Word. And it's a lack of foundation for everyone who asks this question. Now, some may have absolutely no understanding or have never dealt with the Word of God at all. So this is an obvious question, and it demands an answer. They do not know the nature of God, or they would never say such a thing, nor the nature of man. They're blaming what happens between people on the Creator. At least they're, they're uh, uh, acting like they believe we are created. You know, people that are atheists in this world still want law-abiding to people to live according to laws and law-abiding ways and be kind and be good. They want that. They want it for themselves, and they want it for their neighbor. Why? Why would they, why, what would it matter if there's no God, if there's no standard? Every time we try to depart the things of God, we find ourselves crawling back to him because it's the only truth that truly has a, a reason behind it. The Bible teaches us these things. The Bible is the best evidence that we'll ever have. And you know that in any court of law, the best evidence is what everybody wants. The Bible is the best evidence. Sometimes what we learn and are taught is not the best evidence. We have to be careful. So as I said, Mr. Templeton was a product of the Calvinistic preaching um, and teaching within the churches and schools that he went to. They teach that God is involved in every move that occurs. Thus, I guess we could formulate a statement that he is responsible for pain, suffering, or maybe he just doesn't care. Take your pick. But none of them, none of them fit the nature of God, not according to the Bible. What he has revealed about himself. That's why it's error. It's error and it's, um, well, it always reminds me of when I was a, a much younger man. There was a TV program on, I think it was a Flip Wilson show, and his famous thing was that the devil made me do it. And he did all kinds of things according to himself. The devil made him do it. <laughs> well, it was funny. Um, but it was funny because a lot of folks think that it's probably true. But, you know, every, everybody's at fault except for us. We don't do anything. Oh, no, we're a victim of our circumstances. You know. We didn't make a decision that way. Well, sometimes we get ourselves in issues. But let's look at um, Genesis 4, 
um, six through uh, six through ten. This is this is the passage that talks about God uh, when uh, Cain and Abel came and brought their offerings to God. God was not happy with Cain's offering, but he was happy with Abel's. Cain is not happy about God not being happy. Okay? God came to Cain. He spoke to Cain and said, Why art thou wrought? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall it not be lifted up? And if thou doest not well, sin croucheth at the door, and unto thee shall be its desire. But do thou rule over it. That, that's a wonderful statement. Sin it may be at our door, friends, but we, we individually rule over it. That changes everything. And it was the answer to Charles Templeton's question. God had given Cain and every other man and woman all the tools in their toolbox to rule over the issue of sin. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And Jehovah said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. That is a passage that deserves much looking at. And because it tells us the nature, the nature of God and the nature of man. And that God has has created man in his image and likeness with the ability to choose right and to or to choose wrong. But he's left it to him to do what he will according to, basically, according to how he feels about his creator. Because we know, number one, according to Romans chapter one, every human being knows they are a created being. Now, they might not know Bible things, but they know that. That's why they're all looking for their creator. They're looking for their God, whatever word they use. We've been given the idea and, and the ability of free will. Man, you know, um, mankind has the ability not to sin. We have that ability. Jesus of Nazareth was a man born unto Mary, but sinless sinless in all his deeds. Oh, he had, he had knowledge. He had knowledge of God that, that uh, others did not, but nonetheless, as a man, he sinned not. 
We have the ability not to sin, not to do evil things, not to be going the wrong way. But we want we have to want to and desire to do what is right. When we fall off of that wagon, we 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 become a sinner. But God has given us the free will to do so so that we will choose him in love of our own free will to obey and love him and to worship him rather than something else, including ourselves. We must deny ourselves in that case. You know, I've always had this thought about mankind and that this question, you know, man actually, he is so repulsed by bad actions, by wrongdoing, by carnage of one kind or another. Well, if mankind is so repulsed by the sufferings and pain that we see everywhere, we really need to encourage everyone to cease doing just the things that cause the suffering, the pain, and all the other things. We need, to, we need to encourage people to stop their sinning and bad behavior. And by the way, they can do it. We can do it, and so can everyone else. Thus the question of blaming God, you see. Let's stop blaming God for our lack of love. What happens when there's a world problem, starvation, flood, disaster, or whatever kind, before it's over, the news media is always going to ask the first question, where's the churches? Why aren't they helping? So it's God's fault, right? Church people, God's fault. I mean, that's, that's, a, point of, that's a point of thinking. But it's our lack of love that many times these things happen, not disasters um, of that sort, but sometimes we're responsible. We are the masters of our domain, and the condition of the world is due to our lack of oversight, our lack of, you know, we're we're the guardians of this, this place we live. We have the uh, the dominance of it, dominion. Dominion of the creation has been given into the hands of men. So why don't we take responsibility for the dominion we've been granted? Many times we don't want any part of any dominion of any kind. You know, people are like that. They know that they don't want to make a mistake. I understand that. But you know when you're going to live this world in a productive way and and do something, you're going to make some mistakes. And you need to to own it. So, those are the two questions. They have an answer. They deserve an answer. And it's something that we need to understand. Believe me, there's people that are staying away from anything to do with what they call religion because of those questions. There's people that build buildings that they seem to be religious people and they don't want a thing to do with Jesus. They, they want to 
they're talking about something else. Jesus the Messiah. If he existed at all to some of them, some of them have him being uh, the Archangel Michael and other sort of entities. But the sad story is that Charles Templeton never did overcome these two questions. Um, and we know that from history and, and the writings, and uh, there was even an, uh, a TV interview of him uh, years ago. In 1996, he wrote a book. I, I have not read it, but the title of it was Farewell to God. Now, that's where he was in his mind and in his life. On June 7, 2001, he died. And he died, as he said, apparently many times he was very unhappy with God. And with the thinking that he had, you can, you can uh, appreciate the fact that he was unhappy. But this is where we're at, because this foundational thing is, is necessary. But how about the idea of evangelism? How do you evangelize someone who has these questions in their mind and is in some way might be dealing with some problems that seem very, very unfair in their life. There's lots of people like that. And they don't want just a mystical idea of some religion somewhere, of some power somewhere. It has to be real. I heard a preacher in Eloy one time that came up from Tucson and he says when, when, when you're presenting the gospel of Christ to people, you have to give them a reason to want to be a part of it. They, there has to be a reason that you want to be a Christian. There has to be a reason that you want to come out of this, this life, this world system, and separate yourself unto the Lord and unto his body there's got to be a reason. If you don't have a reason, it's not going to happen, and it's not going to be real. So we need to make sure that we're giving somebody not only the answer to these questions, but a reason, a reason to be a Christian. That's not the easiest thing in the world to do, is it? No, it's not. And... Everybody, people will all be different as far as the reason it's going to need to take for them. Just appreciate that. We're all different. That's how God has made us. There's a reason for that too. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I'm a created being. What I know is all that I can learn about my creator. I'm not, I'm not answering any suppositions uh, in his behalf. I can't do that. But I can do, <clears throat> what, I, what I can do is repeat the great truth that he has given us in his word. Now, if we do that, I am very confident that we'll be able to take care of, of the rest of the problems that we're going to encounter in this life. Those would be my comments today, and we'll move on from there. 
um, in our way of doing things. Our song uh, in closing today is To God Be the Glory. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.